0: You're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee-deedle-eedle, dee deedle Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike. You're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, coming to you live from Down East, Maine, way down east along the rock-bound coast of Maine, where a blue water rushes up against the shore, the blueberry barrens, the the scrub pines, the uh, spruce trees, the angry locals. Actually, they're not all angry. There was a big cruise ship in downtown Portland yesterday. 7,000 passengers, and they all disembarked. They all wandered around downtown with a Uh, different kinds of bags that they were carrying their goods in and they look around they look up and down and they look to the left and they look to the right and there's really not much to see unfortunately there's a couple streets in Portland where they have like t-shirts out on the sidewalk and it gets pretty narrow and you gotta squeeze by everybody no one's really happy I don't hear them like gathering in little groups saying oh did you see what I bought it's more like well, for example, they stop the UPS driver in the middle of the intersection. They will literally just, the the woman will stand in front of, of the vehicle and the guy will go around to the side because the door's open. So he's a target and they'll say to the UPS driver, do you know where such and such is? And the car's just back up behind them. They just want... They just want good directions, they're not necessarily going to get it from the UPS driver because he could be from out of town too, and that's what it's like to visit Portland. I don't know how we got on that rant, you know, my mother was a court reporter, I used to tag along with her and she'd sit in court and they'd do the, you know, the little petty crimes and such, and my mother would take down the notes in shorthand and and then afterwards, she might go up to the judge for further commentary and the judge told her, "You know, there are great gaps in your knowledge and i and I hold those words dear to myself as I go about my life that there are great gaps in my knowledge, and not necessarily filling those gaps, but certainly are widening the edges." around them making the gaps ever bigger perhaps. this is episode number 59. Uh, we've been wordy already, haven't we And this is Wednesday October 5th, 2022 our motto, if you're new to the podcast, our motto is some of this is whimsy, some of it is true and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. In today's episode, we have all kinds of excitement. We have a tall traveler from 1971, wailing and telephones from 1885, collecting cigar stubs in Lewiston, 1885. The bi-weekly bird returns, so it's starting to come back a little more frequently than biweekly. weekly uh, The star that you'll never see, From Maine makes an appearance today, or at least in the podcast. You're still not going to see it. In the international headlines from overnight, uh, Musk reverses course again. He's ready to buy Twitter. He has nothing else to do but buy companies. Ukraine reports a rapid pushback of Russian troops on two fronts. Sounds like things are going great over there. The DOJ clashes anew with Trump over special master order. That sounds like something you'd get in the restaurant. I'll have a special master with an order of fries. Uh, Ex-Hunter Biden business partner, the FBI altered history in the handling of laptop. Can you tell the sources of these headlines? U.S. national debt eclipses $31 trillion for the first time. That's such a surreal number that we can't get our heads around it. Will Russia use nuclear weapons? Putin's warnings are explained. That's reassuring, isn't it? Uh, I know North Korea was sending some missiles up there. He really is the rocket man, isn't he? He likes to just launch rockets. I think he just, if he was in the U.S., he'd be like a fireworks dealer. Kim Jong-un's uh, fireworks. That would actually do well on Route 1. Uh, the local main headlines, uh, two-way traffic change in downtown Waterville to start November 5th. That's... Just oh, that's great man appeals drug conviction tied to state trooper accused of racial profiling we'll a lot to get your head around there something about tying up a state trooper uh, what else is local, local state to intervene in versant power rate power rate hike requests they want to raise the rate of power versant power uh, 15 bucks a month on average not what is needed right now A tiny turtle is rescued from the main DOT work site. We've got to look at that one and see how big the turtle actually is. We might get blocked here with an ad blocker. So the the turtle is from Portland, Maine. A Maine DOT crew finds a tiny turtle on a job site. Anyway, They went to Twitter with it right away. And... It was a turtle hatchling. How it wound up on the job site isn't clear. They placed it on the waterway it was trying to get to out of danger's way. That's the full extent of that story. All right, so those are our headlines. They found a turtle. Let's go look at our our news. Oh, actually, word of the day. Our word of the day. We have a stickler for words, and, and he's a regular listener to the podcast, and he uh, he just got obsessed with with a word and how in his perception that word was being misused and he wants to shout it out to the world from the topus from the highest uh, mountaintop he wants to yell out that this word is not being used properly and our word of the day is decimate decimate a transitive verb to select by lot and kill every tenth man to decimate a regiment to exact a tax of 10%, uh, to reduce it drastically, especially in number. So what happened was the connection between decimate and the number 10 goes back to a brutal practice of the army of ancient Rome. A unit that was guilty of a severe crime such as mutiny was punished by selecting and executing one-tenth of its soldiers, thereby scaring the remaining nine-tenths into obedience. The word comes from the Latin decim, meaning 10. Decimate strayed from its 10th meaning, and today refers to the act of destroying or hurting something in just great numbers without uh, specifically referencing 10. And I I recall the, uh, the owner of the L.A. professional hockey team, what's their name? This is back when Wayne Gretzky played for him. And he owned a bunch of car dealerships up in the Vancouver area, until he made his money, so he could buy a hockey team. And he used to line up his salesmen every month, and the one that performed the the, the with the least amount of sales, he would fire them. So it was right along that uh, that line of to decimate. And that was our word of the day. And we don't have birthdays today. We couldn't find anybody that had a birthday today. So if you have a birthday, send it along to Mike at DownEastMike.com and we'll get that birthday on for you. What a sad day that nobody was born on this day ever. Uh, We do have a great ad, though. This is from uh, Never a Bum Steer, Bono's, on Lisbon Street in Lewiston, 1971. They note that they had parking for over 500 cars. And I doubt they ever got up to five hundred and one at that uh, at that facility. They have a coupon close-up red or mint toothpaste fifty nine cent. You remember the close-up the toothpaste in the red or mint tube. Uh, Cheese pizzas, Kraft frozen forty nine cents. Again, this nineteen seventy one when we were starting on our pathway to obesity in America. Pot pies nineteen cents. Frozen, of course. A lot of frozen food. The bird's eye, frozen tasty fries for 49 cents. And repeat of a sellout while they last. Lobsters, 98 cents each. Main, live, and kicking. Clams were 29 cents a pound. How about that 98 cents for a full lobster? I don't know if those were culls and all that. We had a story in 1971... Uh, about Henry Height. I don't think that's his real name. Uh, Henry Height likes to joke about how tall he is. And there's a lot of material. He says, I once met a fellow from Illinois who was 10 inches taller than I was, but he died at 22. As far as I know, I am the tallest man in the world. Height, whose parents, five brothers and seven sisters, they were all under six feet tall. Height was normally of normal growth until he was about nine, and then he sprouted. I went to bed one night in Long Jones. I woke up, I was in shorts. His pituitary gland remained overactive until he was 15 years old and eight feet two inches tall. I was a star on the football team. They gave me the ball, and if someone tripped me, we made a first down. They had to build me a special desk in school. I was so big that the teacher brought me apples. Is this funny? I wanted to be a boxer, but I was afraid I'd get cauliflower knees. As a youth, Height appeared in vaudeville with a midget. Now he makes appearances around the country for a meat company. Height, who is 56 and decidedly lean at 270 pounds, has been married for 35 years to a woman who is is five three, and he's long used to living in a house with abnormally high ceilings. He drives a modified Volkswagen from the back seat. He needs two beds in motel rooms and pays $90 a pair for specially made shoes. I don't shine them, he says. I run them through the car wash. That's really bad. Height even has a joke when passerby stare at him on the street. What's the matter, he calls out. Didn't you ever see a guy in a gray suit before? Eight foot two is pretty tall, though, isn't it? Uh, On this day in uh, 1885, there was an attempt to blow up Fluke Rock in New York Harbor. Um, I guess they needed that for navigational purposes. Saturday's storm from a few days previous is reported as the heaviest for several years in Bangor, and vicinity much damage was done to the roads. There was a railroad accident in Minnesota. Five men were instantly killed and 30 or 40 others injured. I guess that's quite a railroad accident. Uh, we noted the arrival of a whaling ship. October fifth, 1885, the Bark Bartholomew, with Captain Gosnold arrived at New Bedford on Monday from New Zealand, having taken 2,600 barrels of sperm oil and two packages of ambergris in four and a half years. She has on freight of 850 barrels of sperm oil for E.A., Anthony, and Son. So juxtaposed with that is, here's the story of the whaler in 1885. And then in the same paper, the same day, 100 telephone subscribers of Keene, New Hampshire, on account of the advance in rates, have agreed to order their telephones taken out. Well, we know how that worked out. They must have at some point had their phones put back in, right? The weather forecast for this day, 1885, out of Boston, was for clear skies, wind out of the west, and 47 degrees for a high, so quite chilly. Uh, 19 vessels arrived at Portland last week, bringing in 2,247 barrels of mackerel. No arrivals on Friday or Saturday. Hmm. In Massachusetts, there was a tornado. Much damage was done in Lynn by rain, and in Northampton, many of the shade trees were torn down, including one planted by Jonathan Edwards, 26 feet in in circumference. Rains are also doing much damage in Tennessee and Georgia. Four cases of smallpox were found in New York City, and there are fears that much suffering may be caused by the scourge during winter. A panic was caused in the schools of St. Lawrence, I can't quite read that, Uh, must be Canada, by the public vaccinators' entrance Saturday, but there was no riot. A sentry on duty in Montreal was fatally shot by accident Saturday night. I guess it's all related to smallpox, but not really clear. Talking about the site, another uh, tornado, this one in New Jersey uh, on this day, a small town uh, from Bergen, Bergen County, Westwood, New Jersey, a small town situated about 20 miles from New York, on the line of the New Jersey and New York Railroad, was uh, visited by a tornado on Sunday afternoon, which entirely destroyed a schoolhouse in C.S. DeBond's distillery and hotel, where about 1,300 gallons of cider and a large quantity of apple whiskey were lost. I don't know if you would complain about losing apple whiskey. (laughs) Quite a number of houses were blown 10 or 12 feet from their foundations. They measured that. Mrs. DeBond was blown from the second story window to the ground and severely injured about the head. I would guess so. The wires of the Western Union Telephone Company were blown down, communication being entirely cut off north of Westwood. The New Jersey and New York Railroad was so blockaded by debris it took a large gang of men two hours to clear it, damaged to the property around $75,000. There was a heavy burglary reported at Bering up near Calais. The burglars blew open the safe of Samuel A. Doughton, the general merchandise dealer at Bering, on Saturday night. They obtained $100 in cash, all his notes, and valuable papers. In other words, Love letters from his mistress. Probably the same party burglarized Beach's store in September. They are evidently professionals, there's no clue. Saunders and Maddox Professional skated a dead heat five mile roller race in Cala Saturday night time fifteen minutes fourteen seconds. They were doing roller blade racing. And that must have been inside. Uh, we have the cigar stub gatherer, an old decrepit man past 70 years of age and with a bent form. Sounds like me in a couple of years. Is one of the earliest risers in Lewiston. The officers on the night watch on the streets often meet him. He makes it a business to collect cigar stubs. Officer Marshall stopped. It uh, stopped him Monday morning about 4 o'clock. The man had about 20 water-soaked cigar stubs in his pocket. He is a French Canadian and could talk no English. That's the full extent of the story. We don't know if he dries them out and smokes them or he makes one big cigar, but I'm sure he has fun with it. The experiment is being made of exporting living lobsters and tanks from the Gulf of St. Lawrence to England. England now consumes a large part of the product of the New Brunswick lobster canneries. Isn't that something? Um, authorities at Megantic, uh, this is up near the border there, claim that there is but one case of smallpox there which came from Fall River and the patient is recovering. Megantic is a railroad station on the International Railroad at the north end of Lake Megantic in Canada. That was one where the big explosion was, right? I am assured by men who know that no case of smallpox has appeared in Franklin County, and the extensive belt of unbroken forest between us and the Canadian settlements will very likely protect us in that direction. So smallpox does not make its way through trees. I don't know about this next story, but it's in the same paper. A man in Pennsylvania was recently relieved of two snakes... 14 inches and a foot in length, respectively, which had made his stomach a dwelling place for two years. I don't think they were really snakes. A cow wrecked a train at Kamloops, British Columbia on Saturday. Six men were killed and a number injured. A lot of train accidents. We had a letter to the editor of the Lewiston Journal. I thought this was something. This is from, uh, again, from 1885, a perspective on education. One thing in connection with the Auburn Common schools for some years past, which was highly commendable and which met the approval of a large number, if not all, of parents and guardians, was the fact that the scholars' lessons were learned and their work was performed in the schoolroom and, as a rule, No lessons were to be learned at home in the evening, but of late there seems to be a tendency to get back to the old style, and I, for one, desire to express the opinion that it's not in the interest of our children to give them work to do out of school hours. So let's write a letter to the editor here in the Lewiston Journal, 1885. He's suggesting don't give the kids uh, homework. Another thing in this connection is that when examples are given the scholar to be performed at home, they seem to be made extremely hard to work out. So don't give them hard homework. The examples in arithmetic brought home by the second-class grammar were in carpeting rooms. Very practical, of course, but why give them carpeting of such unusual widths as 5-6 and 7 9 to cover a floor with. Now if the children understand the principle then give them the ordinary widths of three to four in one yard and don't try to keep them at work all the evening on some great hard fractions. But they say these examples give their minds exercise. Now a man who has been at work hard all day at the bench or forge does not need to saw wood in the evening for exercise nor does the accountant or bookkeeper need to work over a set of imaginary books for exercise after his day's work. I think, gentlemen of the school board, Mr. Superintendent, or whoever is responsible, that if you will give the children a rest when out of the school room, they will find exercise beneficial to both mind and body. So that was their homework in 1885, how to do um, math and carpet a, a floor. We have a biweekly bird of the day came back because so we got thinking about this little thing. If you ever saw if you were out in the fog on a northern island and out of the fog flew a bird with a brightly colored beak, you would think, what planet am I on this little tropical bird, but that is the Atlantic puffin, and you don't see them close to shore unless you're on an island out there. Uh, the puffins are there's three species. Of this uh, Fratacula uh, genus, they are seabirds that feed primarily by diving in the water. They live in large colonies on coastal cliffs or offshore islands. They nest in crevices among rocks or burrows in the soil. So there are two species, the tufted puffin and the horned puffin, are found in the North Pacific, while the Atlantic puffin is found in the North Atlantic Ocean. The little puffin has black or black and white plumage, a stocky build and large beaks that get brightly colored during the breeding season. They shed the colorful outer parts of their bills after the breeding season, leaving a smaller and duller beak. Their short wings are adapted for swimming with a flying technique underwater like a like a uh, penguin. In the air, They beat their wings rapidly about 400 times a minute in swift flight, often flying low over the ocean's surface. Here's a little story here on impossibly cute with pear-shaped bodies, beak and eye markings, as bright as a clown makeup and a wobbly slapstick walk, Atlantic puffins were once a common sight along the main coast. But in the 19th and early 20th centuries, people collected eggs from puffins and other seabirds for food, a practice memorialized in the names of Eastern Egg Rock and other islands off the coast of New England. Hunters shot the plump birds for meat and for feathers to fill pillows and adorn women's hats. By 1901, only a single pair of Atlantic puffins were known to nest in the U.S. on Matinicus Rock, which is an island about 20 miles from the coast, Wildlife enthusiasts paid the lighthouse keeper to protect the two birds from hunters. Isn't that nice? Things began to change in 1918 when the Migratory Bird Treaty Act banned the killing of many wild birds in the U.S. Slowly, puffins returned to Matinicus Rock. Some other facts on the little puffin. Each puffin pair raises a single chick. Once the young bird fledges, it heads south, but no one knows exactly where the juveniles spend their first two or three years. Sounds like people. They don't know where their kids are the first two or three years. Though puffins are speedsters, they can reach 55 miles an hour in flight. Their greatest talents are displayed at sea where they use their feet and wings to maneuver expertly underwater. Never let it be said that puffins are awkward, says the director of Project Puffin. They can dive more than 200 feet in water. They can burrow like groundhogs, and they can scamper over rocks. They're all-purpose birds. And they noted that uh, this summer, another bird not native to Maine is apparently making the rounds along the coast. This was like that uh, stellar sea eagle. The Natural Resources Council of Maine says a tufted puffin was reported in June and July in Washington County and then again on Seal Island National Wildlife Refuge, which is about 21 miles off the coast of Rockland. The tufted puffins typically found in northern California, Alaska, Russia, and Japan. That is our biweekly bird. And let's talk about a star that you'll never see if you're in Maine. Canopus. It's a second brightest star as seen from Earth. But to see it, you must be in either the southern hemisphere or below the northern hemisphere's 37th parallel. If they're placed about side by side, it would take about 65 of our suns to fit across Canopus. That's how big it is. Canopus appears significantly less bright than Sirius, but it's actually much brighter Blazing with the brilliance of fourteen thousand suns, with non-visible forms of light energy factored in, it surpasses the sun by about fifteen thousand times. These are these are metrics that are probably not too valuable to you today, but we're talking about them. Uh, also, in this part of the sky, the two brightest appearing stars in the night sky, Sirius and Canopus, uh, and we want to talk about uh, it's. Uh, called the Great Star of the South, a name and a legend to to many North American observers, but a dazzling gem to our more fortunately situated neighbors in the South. It's in the constellation Carina, which is the keel of the now defunct constellation of Argonavis, the great ship of Jason and the Argonauts. That was a band, I don't think. Canopus lies roughly due south of Sirius, so when the latter is at its highest, so too is Canopus. In fact, Canopus arrives at the meridian about 20 minutes before Sirius, but you can't see it from Maine. Appearing to skim just above the southern horizon for most of the southern U.S., it's usually immersed in a thick horizon haze, which is probably the main reason for the popular misconception that it's a deep yellow or orange in color. Its true tint is silvery white. Then you talk about there's a sneaky way to get a view of cannabis even further to the north because the horizon appears to dip at altitudes of 30,000 feet or more. Airline passengers might be able to see it from latitudes as far north as Washington, D.C. or St. Louis. I wanted to see cannabis and that's what brought this story on and realized I'm not I'm not going to see it. Down East Mike doesn't travel, so unless I get up in a plane above Washington, D.C. Well, that's our podcast for today. There's a new song. We're going to spin that up. I should caution you. It's like that uh, caution that they do that flashes, flash photography used. This is auditory flashing uh, sounds. It, it, this, this next song... It could induce uh, nausea and uh, feelings of of being seasick. Until next time, this is Downey's Mike wishing you a day full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you.
1: Seasick now Seasick Everybody getting seasick now Seasick It's sick.